0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the British English Podcast. I am your host, Charlie Baxter. And today we have a delightful conversation with a teacher called Tristan that I look forward to sharing with you. But before we jump into the conversation, imagine this. We start in the cobbled streets of London, fly over the Atlantic, touch down amid the lush greenery of Costa Rica, then zip across the globe to the quaint, winding streets of France. Quite a journey, isn't it? Well, our guest Tristan for this episode has lived this exact adventure and many more, I'm sure. He started in the UK and then navigated his way through Costa Rica and has recently moved to live on a farm in France. We'll be exploring his journey, seeing how his British identity has influenced his experiences And we'll be revealing the exciting, the challenging, and potentially rather amusing moments along the way. From fish and chips and a cup of tea, to gallo pinto, and uh, and then, I guess, a long piece of bread called a baguette. It's going to be a cultural blend you won't want to miss. So stick around as we're about to embark on an interesting cultural journey together, learning how today's guest has navigated it all. So please put your hands together. You don't need to literally clap, especially if you're on a bus or anything like that. That would look a bit weird. Metaphorically, put your hands together and raise the roof for today's podcast guest, Tristan. All right, let's get into the conversation. All right. Thank you, Tristan, for taking the time to speak with me about your recent move and your, well, your life, really. How are you doing today? Bonjour,
1: Charlie. Thank you for having me. I am calling you from the French countryside of, of Brittany on the west coast of France. And thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is my first ever
0: podcast. So it's a, a new experience for me. Oh, I, I, um, I'm very honoured to be your first. <laughs> you're in Brittany, right? Lovely. Did you say to me, we, we will get into the France side of your life in a little bit more detail later on, but very quickly, did I get it wrong that you're taking over a farm? Before you begin, I'd like to let you know that we now have an official app released for the British English podcast. You can now listen to this podcast on the new app and get all of the learning resources along with it. And for those of you who are just listening on your favourite podcast app, then I've got a present for you. Download the app, sign up to the course called Free Podcast Worksheets And you will find every single episode available for you to listen to, along with the free worksheet for that episode. A huge resource right there waiting for you to enjoy. So go download it right now at your app store, either by typing in BEP or the British English podcast. Links are also in the show notes. Enjoy this episode. Is that completely wrong?
1: Not necessarily taking over. Basically, I've moved to a farm, which is my girlfriend's uh, family farm. And it's not an active farm in the sense that there's no animals, but she has a lot of land which she rents to other farmers. We are pretty much surrounded by a lot of fields. As far as I can see, really, it's just like cornfields, which is beautiful, of course.
0: That's very nice. I've got a photo in my mind right now of me... We're not going to talk about me too much, but I did a cycle trip down the west coast of France when I was twenty two and we had a tent on our in our panniers and we would camp every night illegally in different farm fields and I've got an exact image of that kind of farm setting outside of the, the tent when you wake up in the morning. It's a glorious, glorious view, very peaceful, and it just screams take me to the bakery and get me a baguette. Did you start? Yeah. And or a, a pan au chocolat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We used to eat a lot of them.
1: I haven't actually oh, really? had the chance. Yeah, of course. Really? Not yet. Not yet. Um, I haven't had the chance to, to go to the patisserie this morning. Although of course I've had a nice uh, cup of French, oh, uh, French coffee. Not quite the same as Costa Rica though, but we'll get into that. I'm sure. But yeah, actually when you were mentioning about camping, we, um, we have a field, that actually we rent out to uh, people that, that pass through. And we have a lot of interesting people that kind of, well, last night, for example, a German guy who's, who's doing a tour of, of Europe, massive tour by himself on his motorbike, just came and stayed for one night in his tent. Kind of, uh, even though you're quite rural here, you meet a lot of, you know, travelers yeah. that, that pass oh, through. Oh, that is nice. So and you get nice. to talk to them? Yeah, I mean, if you want to, obviously you can just say, all right, well, there's the field. Yeah, do what you need to do. Or obviously, you could uh, start talking to them for sure. Oh, fantastic.
0: Okay, that's where you are at the moment. And we'll circle back to that towards the end of the conversation. Yeah. But let's go with telling the audience a little bit about yourself and what made you decide to pack your bags to Costa Rica to begin with. I was born and raised in Northwest London in an area close to Wembley
1: Stadium, which is our national stadium and i was working in a pretty standard nine-to-five job in a boring pretty office setting and that was five years ago and i realized okay do i want to do this for the rest of my life or should i try and find something
0: else what was what was the job
1: it's interesting actually i mean i said it was mundane or boring but i was a probation officer oh right wow yeah, shall I explain what that is? Yes, yes, Okay, definitely. Maybe some people have seen it in films, like American films, they call it like a parole officer, I think. Uh, we call it probation. So it's government service. You assist ex-convicts or criminals, I should say, not convicts, but criminals who are released from prison or receive some type of, let's say punishment or sentence for a crime. That's the traditional job, but I was working in a magistrate's mm-hmm. court. So in England, we have two types of courts. We have magistrates and we have the crown court. And magistrates usually deal with lesser crimes. Crown courts usually deal with very, very serious ones. I was in this magistrate's court for about two or three years, interviewing people before they would go into court. And I would have to deliver a, a, a report to the judge So I would have to stand up in court and basically say, well, this person has a lot of problems or maybe doesn't have any problems and, you know, you can give him a break, you know, just give him a fine. But obviously there are guidelines you have to follow. And that was difficult for me because I'm not a great public speaker. It it was really hard for me to get used to speaking in front of, of the public and, you know, some things that I could say would would influence whether or not oh, someone yeah. went that to prison. Does not
0: help the nerves, does it? No,
1: exactly. And I never really suggested prison oh, okay. for anyone because I didn't want to kind of have that yeah. come back on me. Someone come and find me after they've been oh, released from prison. Oh, yeah,
0: so your identity isn't hidden, is it? No, it's not. No,
1: your name mm. is on the report. It's a big responsibility, but you know. Day to day tasks were pretty boring after a while. And I was in the office one morning and I decided, all right, I need to travel. You
0: know, I'm 25, I was 25 years old. Sorry to interrupt, but 25, that's still quite young to be given that responsibility. Was it the normal age for people in your position? I was one of the, definitely, I was the youngest at the time.
1: I started in an administration position and then I was kind of promoted yeah, I, I think it was relatively not unheard of, but um, I didn't pave the way for for the younger <laughs> generation of prob- probation officers, but I um, I after that, I realized that they started accepting <laughs> more younger people. so I don't know, maybe I did. maybe I did. Now there's a whole new
0: generation of probation officers. Oh, thanks to me. Well, that's something that you can be confident in knowing all the way through your life perhaps yeah what was the route to that you said administration so you were you you just decided to take that role out of the blue before like you went from
1: yeah i kind of just found as uh, basically i came out of university and i found whatever job that i could really get mm-hmm. at that time uh, like like a lot of people and this was in the probation service and then Eventually after a year or two working in in the administration, I, I managed to go up to a certain level of probation officer. And yeah, from that, like, obviously they train you a little bit more, of course. Uh, I have a background in psychology. My degree is in psychology. So that was quite useful. You know, when interviewing people, you're in a room with someone, some of these people are quite dangerous. They have a lot of serious problems. They can be you know mood changes in a few Mm. seconds depending on what questions you ask so you have to be very sensitive Mm. careful uh, with what you say to these people and yeah I enjoyed parts of it but after a while I think I was more tired of the rat race Uh of London the kind of commuting on the tube every day people kind of a bit miserable in the morning (laughs) no one looking at each other just on their mobiles and i was looking for something different yeah nice i decided basically okay what can i do that allows me to travel and i started researching tefl schools around the world so a tefl school obviously is a, a school which teaches people to teach english as a foreign language and i don't know about you but central america was one of those places we didn't hear much about
0: growing up in england that's true I I heard about obviously North America and South America, but yeah, Central America was sort of glazed over. They didn't really focus on it. That's true. Yeah,
1: like I mean, you hear about Mexico, of course. People travel to you know Tulum and Playa Carmen. I, heard, I think it's cool. I heard somebody, but, but no one uh, really say that Mexico
0: yeah. might be North America. Is 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 Mexico North America?
1: I think it's considered the central, uh, okay. as far as I'm aware. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. But no, because as you know, like the the typical backpacker, the typical British backpacker, usually goes to Southeast yes. Asia, or maybe like what you did and went to Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, those kind of that kind of area of the world, South America, of course, but not so much mm. Central. I had done a lot of Southeast Asia and a bit of South America. I decided, all right, let's go somewhere which is a bit different, and I I found two tefl schools one in guatemala and one in costa rica and i finally decided on costa rica because i love the beach and this place was literally on a in a little village on the pacific coast and it was beautiful and i stayed
0: there for wow really cool yeah so they there were images of this beach that you could see in england when you had to decide between honduras and costa rica oh sorry guatemala and costa rica guatemala. yeah
1: honduras is a little bit more risky i don't think there's any tefl schools in costa rica in honduras
0: that's central america isn't it or am i off again yeah
1: it is it is correct yeah we have so at the top you have mexico then you go down it's guatemala then you have like belize and honduras el salvador then you have costa rica okay. and panama
0: Okay. yeah that makes sense and
1: and so basically yes i what, what sorry your question
0: I was um, wondering if you had the images in front of you to be able to choose between the two, Guatemala and Costa Rica.
1: Yeah, I think they, on those websites, they have a lot of kind of images which try and incentivize yeah. you to to join the school. I was based in <laughs> Wilsdon, which I don't know if you know much about Willston, but it's a pretty rundown <laughs> area of London. So I was in this office in, in Willston. It was a rainy day and I was looking outside the window and I was thinking, wow. Okay, this looks. This beach in Costa Rica looks a little bit better than where I am right now.
0: I packed my bags. How quickly did that happen? Because did you have to go through like a certificate to get a Tefl qualification before, or you did it when you were there? There's many options
1: to get a Tefl certificate. You could either do an online course, which a lot of people do, or you could physically go to a school. It doesn't have to be in a foreign country. It could be in England if I wanted to stay in England but I preferred to do it in a physical place because you have that experience of face-to-face teaching in yeah. a classroom. And so it wasn't immediately, I, I kind of planned it for a couple of months and gave myself some time to really think about it. And, you know, cause it's an investment. It's not a cheap course to do. No, And I, yeah, I didn't know if I could see myself being a teacher because if I thought back to when I was in English class at high school i imagine myself being an english
0: teacher you know
1: it's a joke really some of my friends still laugh at me when i say i'm an english teacher
0: (laughs) yeah the street cred as an english teacher especially like an english as a foreign language teacher in the uk with british people isn't great is it we don't really score highly i haven't
1: heard any like negative things about it but yes i mean i guess it's i guess it's viewed more of of a supplement job yeah like you know people do it in addition to another job or perhaps just to keep funding their travel yes or just to have a like a voluntary experience abroad
0: Pardon the interruption, but I want to let you know about an activity I have created for you to access for free on the British com slash freebies. It is a creativity exercise that helps you find ways to learn English whilst being in a state of flow. Being in a state of flow happens when we're totally immersed in an activity to the point where we pay no attention to distractions and time itself seems to pass by without any notice. I would say I am in my happy place when I'm in a state of flow because it allows my creativity to flourish. And I want to help you connect your learning experience with feeling this immense level of happiness that is entirely possible when studying. Who'd have thought it? Revising English can open up feelings of pure ecstasy. Don't worry, though, I'm not forcing drugs on you, but I am encouraging you to check out this new exercise I have created that will help you reach a state of flow, I mean flow, when learning English. Find the link in the show notes to com slash freebies, that is spelt F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S, and then click on the creativity exercise, and we can all get high on life together. Back to the episode. That's true, yeah. Voluntary year out, like a sabbatical, or people tend to think you do it after university to get some travel experience, which, I mean, both of us kind of used it for that reason, to leave the UK and have a bit of sun and some travel and some life experience. Because I met a lot of people in that moment of moving to another country and I, I don't think any of them are, are still doing it, probably about 30 of them. I don't think any of them are. So if I was to meet up with them and say, I'm still doing it, they would be like, oh, wow. OK. But mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. It's, it's the way it goes sometimes, isn't it? Did you see yourself yeah. continuing this far on with teaching English even back then? Do you think you, you saw that?
1: No, definitely not. I didn't realize the opportunity that teaching online would give me. When I imagined doing the TEFL school, I only imagined working in a physical school, like teaching 30 people in a small classroom in somewhere in Central America. And that's what I did for the first couple of months. I found a a local project, which was run by a a local church. It was a volunteer program, and it was hard. I was hard. You know, I was in this sweaty classroom with no air conditioning. The students were. Really nice because, you know, we're going to get into Costa Rican culture and, Mm -hmm. you know, they are lovely people and very friendly, but slightly differently behaved than, I don't know, than English students. Yeah. I don't know, because I haven't had experience teaching in an English school. Difficult for me to compare, but a lot of it was classroom management, getting people to shut up,
0: basically, and
1: stop talking.
0: (laughs) And that's what I didn't like about Right. That was tricky in Costa Rica. So you're, you're thinking that as a, a student, when you were in the UK, your classroom were more inclined to be quiet quicker. I think at, at the age group that
1: I was teaching. Which was? By that age, which was about 17 to 21. <sighs> oh, gosh, that's tricky. Yeah. Actually, yeah, a lot of them came from very poor backgrounds. Right costa rica has quite a uh, a young pregnancy age right like the average age i think is i don't know it's very very young it's somewhere like 18 or 19 right. so a lot of the the students i was teaching were pregnant already, that had a lot of kids already i was expecting them to be maybe a bit more motivated to kind of learn english for their own kind of development and future but i don't know it was program. I don't think they were forced to do it. Oh, no, they were. They were, sorry. They received benefits if they did the program. So that might be why, you know, some of them didn't really want to
0: be there. That makes sense. Right. Is there a, a phrase called pura vida or pura, pura vida? Pura vida, yeah. Pura vida, which, which
1: basically translates as pure life. Okay. And it's a, it's a philosophy. It's a way of living. It's essentially... Meaning, take things easy, and enjoy life, and take it slow. You know, relax, chill out. Which, if you go to Costa Rica, you will see that printed everywhere really? on t-shirts, usually with a picture of a sloth, <laughs> <laughs> because Costa Rica really? is famous for this animal. Oh,
0: um, I see. Go yeah, because
1: what I knew about Costa Rica before was really from David Attenborough documentaries, watching watching sloths, ah. and really kind of the sloth ties in with the kind of culture and the mentality of slow, you know, take things easy. Pura vida.
0: I know it's not obviously too near, but I went to Belize and I remember Mm -hmm. on some of the islands, their phrase, I mean, it wasn't as poetic or Spanish, but it was just go slow. (laughs) That was their motto. Okay. Go slow, kind of, just that that was it. (laughs) And if you're cycling too fast, they'd be like go slow man go slow are you a traffic warden no no no. just philosophy in life go slow go slow yeah how did you find that given that i would argue that our motto is quite different in the uk what would you say is our motto if you had to yeah (laughs) complain but be quick about it go fast go fast (laughs) yeah no it is very different in terms
1: of let's say london because i grew up in london I really don't know what it's like outside of London. It's difficult for me to say, but people rush. People are rushing to the next place, work, home, pub, maybe. And they're always rushing. And that was hard for me to to get, you know, to change and, and to get used to the slowness of Costa Rica. Now, I think one of the reasons it is slower is because of the temperature. You know, it's 35 degrees every day. You can't run. You can't. Uh, rush otherwise you need to take a shower every every five minutes you're just sweating
0: yeah but that must have been hard because time is almost like a currency you've come from a place that time equals money almost exactly that that is true remember that this episode, just like every single other episode on this show, comes with a free worksheet where you get to see some of the best native expressions that come up in this very episode, along with definitions made for you, a non-native learner. I've even designed it so that you can play the podcast episode on the same page as the free worksheet. It's super user-friendly, so head over to the British Englishpodcast.com right now and check out the free podcast worksheets. Or simply click on the link that says free podcast worksheets in the show notes of this episode. And now yeah, you've got to be mindful of not sweating too much too quickly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think the temperature and the the climate has a big factor in in the lifestyle. So basically, people would wake up at 5am and that's pretty a normal time for people to wake up. Five or six and they get stuff done in the morning. That's when they're like productive because of the temperature. I see. Mm. okay and nothing gets done between like 11 and 5 during the day like shops are still open you know everything's still open but if you go out you'll just see less people people will just be sitting under a tree chilling you know waiting in the shade waiting for the sun to to kind of cool off and then things get done in the evening i would often hear like construction workers start banging at like 8 or 9 p.m and I'm like whoa that's illegal that's illegal to do that in the UK yeah oh gosh that's a huge culture shock yeah it was and what time would they finish no they wouldn't do it like crazy late because a lot of people would kind of it would be quiet at about 10 10 30 my neighborhood quite a lively neighborhood a lot of wild animals dogs that kind of just ran around and horses that kind of had to no owners what Um, horses
0: that had no owners i've seen the dogs like street dogs but not are they street horses
1: they're kind of like street horses i mean they were beach horses they would run in packs across the beach and it was beautiful like just imagine a group of horses just running free across the beach that is great yeah it is wonderful obviously they probably had an owner but it was a small town so they were kind of like all right you go into whatever you want and go and graze in a different place and then I'll come and find you later
0: yeah I mentioned the Pura Bida, um lifestyle because you were talking Pura vida. okay yeah because yeah. they because um, you were saying in the class you, you felt like they should have a little bit more motivation to develop their own English skills but would you say that maybe their focus is that their priorities lie within family and enjoyment overwork definitely the society is
1: quite collectivist is that the right word collectivist yeah more yeah. of a collectivist society than an individualistic society I would say that's mm-hmm. a big difference between the UK and Costa Rica there is a large importance on on family and uh, and sharing and so yes like a lot of the expectation maybe for younger people is is different in the in Costa Rica. I don't know, maybe the ambition is a bit different. It's not so materialistic. It's more about kind of like the simple life basics, you know, having a family, providing for your family, but but not, you know, not trying to
0: earn mega, mega bucks. Yeah. But it depends on the individual, of course. Yes, always, always. But it's it's a hard one to get your head around coming from where we come from, because we're, I mean, it's not like, America, quite, like chasing the dollar all the time, in Mm. my opinion, Mm. for some people. But uh, we're definitely encouraged to push hard with our career, primarily, and then that will support a family in the future. But it's completely the, almost, it sounds like the, the reverse in priorities.
1: I think they do obviously have ambition to provide, like anyone would. But like you said, like in the UK, and from my group of friends, I could see that a lot of people were chasing a beautiful house or a beautiful car Mm -hmm. or a lot of materialistic things that they believed would make them happy. But in reality, all they needed was a nice job, good family and the basics in life, you know, food, shelter. And that's what I think a lot of people in Costa Rica achieve very well. And that's why it's One of the happiest places to live in the world. And it's been voted like it's always maybe not top now anymore, but maybe second or third on the list of happiest places to live. Right. And I don't know if you've ever heard of blue zones. No. A blue zone, there's about six or seven blue zones in the world. Right. And basically, a blue zone is where people live longer and they have a higher age expectancy. Oh. I believe that. One of the other areas is, is California, Sardinia in Italy. There's a place in Japan, one island in Greece, I think, and one area of Costa Rica, which is actually the area I was living in. Huh. And you can only get, let's say, this status of being a blue zone if you match certain requirements, being that they have a high level or a good level of diet, you know, nutrition, uh, low levels of stress, Good sense of community; these types of factors all tie in to actually living longer. It's proven, you know, scientifically proven, and and that was really interesting to see that, yeah, in effect. Blue zone. I've never heard of that.
0: Yeah, so it's not just getting a blue pill if you live in there Mm -mm. and it gives you a longer life. (laughs) Not quite. Those are nice attributes to towards getting blue zone, getting blue zoned, maybe. Blue zoned, yeah. (laughs) I was thinking of a tale that I was told when I was 22 and I came out of university. Apologies if you've heard it, and I'll butcher it, but hopefully the moral of the story will still be in place. An American goes down to, or a resident of the United States, goes down to, let's say, Central America. A gringo. Uh, Yes, exactly. A gringo goes on holiday and he goes to Mm -hmm. a fishing market and then he asks a guy taking him out on his fishing boat and he goes out and he spends all day and he catches one fish but he's in the sunshine having a beautiful time and then the american says why don't you scale this up why don't you create a, your own fishing company and the guy's just relaxed sitting there and saying why and and he says well you know if you scale it up then you could have your own team of fishermen and then before you know it you could be sitting and doing what you want. What, what would you want to do? And he said, I want to go and fish every day and, and just come back and have my fish with my family. That would be my ideal. And that's what I've got. And he's like, oh, oh, yeah, all right. Well, well done. It's an interesting confusion that we've almost got. Yeah, it
1: perfectly summarizes what I guess I was just saying. It's not like there's a lack of ambition. It's just like finding that, that balance in your life. Of, of happiness why push yourself if you've already got everything you need mm. the basics in life and that was one of my motivations for leaving london because like i said you know i felt like i was chasing a career chasing to find a, a mortgage yeah. you know all of these things which is great of course you know I, i'm not saying that you shouldn't but i felt like before the age of 30 I didn't really need those things. Mm. And just trying to find a bit of a simple balance in life was more important. And do you think you found it? Yes, I definitely experienced the the pura vida. And like we were saying, you know, I at the beginning was walking very, very fast (laughs) down the street or cycling down the street very quickly. And I would get a lot of people looking at me like, why are you rushing? (laughs) That's such a life lesson. And I felt really like, yeah. Yeah, it is. Take it slow. And uh, I remember one of my friends from England came to visit me and, and he was walking fast. And I was like, bro, Puerto vida, take it slow.
0: Did he get what you meant?
1: Yeah. And he was like, you know what? You're right. You're really right. And I think that's people might learn when they come to Costa Rica. Obviously, people come for the nature. It's stunning. It's lush. You know, it's just green. And I don't know if I'm absolutely correct in this fact but i think they contribute six percent of the world's biodiversity which what percentage did you say six percent of the world's only biodiversity. In a small geographic area that's impressive it's a very small area and it only has a population of five million
0: right yeah i, I have heard that their biodiversity is insane so that that makes sense mm-hmm. another interesting fact is they abolished the army
1: in 1949 so they've yeah. got no army no army which is really bizarre especially like that happened soon after world war ii so i guess everyone was on high alert and they have reinvested a lot of the military budget into education and uh, healthcare, care right. and you can really see that in the country, everyone, I'm sure we'll get onto this in the next section, but they speak very good English because the education system is pretty good in comparison, let's say, to other countries in, yeah. in Central America.
0: Actually, thinking about it, my first Spanish teacher online was a Costa Rican and yeah, she had very good English. OK, when I went to Chile, I had uh, quite a big bubble of English speaking teachers that I socialized with, I lived with a Chilean, so I was able to get that kind of local experience in my apartment and he would invite me to barbecues and things like that. Did you get much experience with locals yourself?
1: Yes. At the beginning, I would say I tried to integrate as much as I could and immerse myself in the language. But I feel a little bit guilty, actually, that after four years of living there that my Spanish is not a higher level. I would say that it's probably B1 still. I slightly blame the fact that I'm an English teacher because I spent most of my time speaking English online. Uh, therefore, for my job, I didn't really need to interact with um, with local people yeah. too much. Also, the town where I lived was very full of expatriates, ah. a lot of gringos, uh-huh. Americans, and a lot of... Europeans, but not so many British. I was thinking I was one of two British people living in that town. And the other person was actually 20 minutes down the road from where I lived. It was very bizarre. Like we knew exactly the area where we've, you know, we've been to the same pub. Ah. <laughs> it was very strange.
0: Oh, that is weird.
1: Yeah, so to answer your question, it was I tried to integrate at the beginning when I was involved in a lot of volunteer projects, but when I started teaching online And living on the beach, people spoke English very well. Tourism is a big factor in that town. So, of course, a lot of local people uh, speak very well. I can, in terms of like going to a restaurant and doing all those things where you need to, you know, communicate in, in the local language, I could do that very easily. But when you actually sit down and have a conversation with someone, I think I would still sometimes struggle, which is a shame. And it's a lesson that I've learned And
0: I hope that I don't repeat that now that I'm in France. (laughs) It's something that I think you might have to be endlessly strict on yourself with. If it's possible, we always, as humans, I think we tend to take the shortcut, take the easy route. And if the easy route is there, then it's, yeah, it's hard to not take it. I wish you luck with that challenge that you put yourself in.
1: One of the interesting things is that I think I actually learned more French in Costa Rica than Spanish.
0: (laughs) How? Oh, because the motivation to move to France was high?
1: Actually, uh, so about two years into my experience there, I met my girlfriend, Uh. who's from France, which is why I live now in France. And there was a large French expat community in that town, like really, really uh, dominating. They owned most of the businesses, actually. Uh, I called them the French mafia when I was there. They didn't like that too much. Hopefully that.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Let's hope they yeah, were. Like an
1: English guy calling them French mafia, they're not going to take very well to me. But eventually they, you know, they called me roast beef at the beginning. <laughs> which is I don't know if you've heard that before. Like that's the the like the slur that French people call English people, roast beef.
0: Can you remind me why?
1: I think it's to do with like the history of obviously British people loving roast beef. Okay. It comes from a very, I don't know, I think it's it's quite an old story. I'm not going to pretend like I know, but <laughs> we obviously call the French what we used to. I don't think anyone does it anymore, but they call them frogs or frog's legs. Yeah. It's just a stereotype based on the food
0: that we eat. Did you find it? Yeah, uh, I'm just searching it. I think it's basically what you said during this period in the 18th century, during the, you know, the real, the real beef we had between each other. <laughs> roast beef was a popular and staple dish in England. The French started calling the English roast beef as a kind of jest, roast beef, yeah. uh, associating them with their traditional food. This term is somewhat similar to how the French are sometimes referred to as frogs due to the stereotypical association with eating frog's legs. Yeah. Yeah pretty mm-hmm. much exactly what you or just snails I, I
1: guess you know we don't say snails but but I, I would associate snails more with with france than frogs
0: yeah i've had snails and the only time i had them was in france yeah have you had snails have you had frog's legs no i haven't had either i'm looking forward to that experience okay if i ever get the chance yeah 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 let's go back a little bit Yeah, we're getting sidetracked. I think we covered all of this very naturally, but was there anything else that you felt like, as a habit, as a British person, you had to ditch or tweak being in Costa Rica other than what we've talked about? Not so much, I don't think. Maybe, yeah, just in terms of like, it's not really a
1: habit, but to get used to the fact that the seasons, the daylight savings, there wasn't any daylight savings. So basically, Costa Rica is just above the equator in the center of, can you say in the center of the hemisphere? Does that make sense?
0: Southern hemisphere. <laughs> it's just above the equator in the Northern hemisphere, maybe. Exactly. Right. So
1: the time of sunset and the time of sunrise does not really change.
0: Uh, right, throughout that's the year.
1: strange for us. Exactly. Because now that I'm living in France, like for the last three weeks, I'm finishing work at like 10pm and it's still light. And I'm like, what, what is going on? It's like very disorientating for me. That was hard to adjust to. And it feels like the days are much shorter. So you do have to wake up early and uh, staying hydrated, I guess. <laughs> you know, you just sweat so much just have to drink tons of water each day, just to get through the day.
0: Now that you're in France, obviously it's a bit hotter when you've moved, but are you enjoying not needing to drink as much? <laughs>
1: it's actually like the perfect time for me to move because I'm not so, it's not such a culture shock in terms of, well, not culture shock, but climate, weather shock, yeah climate shock, we could say. Yeah. So that was the actual motivation for moving in the summer, the yes. uh, European summer. Nice. Also because... I brought a cat back from Costa Rica.
0: <laughs> we will leave it there for part one of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening up to this point. If you did want to listen to part two and part three of this conversation, then you can head over to the com. And check out the Premium Podcast or Academy memberships. The Premium Podcast gives you access to the full conversation along with extended glossaries, transcripts and flashcards. Whereas the Academy gives you all of that plus exclusive videos and audios for the season-based episodes, explaining the vocabulary, exampling them, giving you quizzes, writing assignments and weekly speaking classes on zoom but if you were just here for part one of this conversation then i thank you very much for stopping by i hope you enjoyed the show do grab that free worksheet by clicking the link in the show notes my name's charlie and i will see you next week on the british english podcast